This episode is made possible by Armoire. I love genius companies founded by women, and Armoire is one of them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days, and then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. To me, Armoire Armoire solves so many issues I struggle with today, the biggest one being accumulation of stuff. Let's face it, women want to feel on trend and fresh in their clothes, so we like to shop for new clothes often. But I also get overwhelmed when I have too much to choose from, which happens after years of shopping. I forget what clothes I have and I end up wearing the same thing over and over. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to brave a department store fitting room with those unflattering fluorescent lights again. Trust me, your overly cramped closet and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to The Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gores, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is what's possible for one is possible for all. Hey guys, well... After nine months of pushing pause on the Heal Podcast, I'm back. Uh, I want to thank all of you for your patience while you waited for me to recharge, reset, turn within, get re-inspired, and spend some really um, important and necessary time with myself and my family, especially my darling three-year-old daughter, who is, as everybody says, uh, growing up way too fast. So this time has been precious and so important for me and my family. So I appreciate the patience. Um, not sure yet what's going to happen with if this is going to become a second season or if this is just a one-off interview until we figure it out. But I was so inspired to do this interview today with my good friend, Danielle, because her new book that's coming out is exactly what I need in this moment. And I feel in my heart, it's exactly what the world needs. Um, to expand into a new paradigm because shit is real right now, real intense. A little bit about Danielle. Um, Danielle Laporte is a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100, a group who, in Oprah Winfrey's words, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. Indeed, it does. Danielle is the creator of so many things, including the Desire Map book, um, which changed my life many years ago when I read it. And I think I gave probably 50 copies away to friends immediately after. Um, she also created the Heart Centered Membership and the Heart Centered Leadership Program, 
with 400 plus leaders in 30 countries around the world, hosting conversation circles, retreats, and workshops in all kinds of communities and businesses. Her podcast, With Love, Danielle, often ranks in iTunes top 10 for wellness. And our mutual friend, Marianne Williamson, calls her a bright light. And of course, I'd agree. We are here today to talk about her most recent book, How to Be Loving When Your Heart is Breaking Open and the World is Waking Up. The day I interviewed Danielle a few days ago, it was one of those days. I hadn't slept the night before. I was like, my brain wasn't functioning. I felt scattered. I was like a live wire of raw emotion. It was crazy. And of course, on top of all that, my assistant and I had serious technical issues leading up to the start time. So I was frazzled, couldn't focus, and I was emotional. Um, and then of course I felt rusty because I hadn't interviewed anyone in nine months. Perfect storm. So of course I messaged um, Danielle after apologizing for if I seemed like a spaz because I felt so scattered and emotional. And in true embodiment of her work and wisdom, she responded with humor and compassion and said, look, if you listen to the interview and you want to barf, um, she's happy to re-record the interview, which is so generous of her because she's so busy with this book launch. Anyways, in the end, I listened to the interview and of course there was a million things that I wish I had done differently or said, but I trust, I really want to lean into trust and, you know, far away from perfectionism and just really trust that everything that led up to that interview, whether it was a sleepless night, a stress, the crisis going on in my life, um, set it up to be exactly the conversation that it needed to be. So I hope you all get something from it. And uh, like I said, we are all collectively in an intense pressure cooker in this time in history. And I know individually, everybody's going through something. Collectively, we're all going through something. Um, and I, I'm not lying when I say this book has the, so many tools and wisdom that can crack your heart right open and, and, and give your mind the quantum leap into truth and a new way of being so that, like I said, we can expand into a new paradigm, which we're heading there anyway, but let's try to do it with the least amount of suffering. All right. So without further ado, let's dive in and talk to Danielle. How to be loving as your heart is breaking open and our world is waking up. <sighs> Yes, it is. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a messy wake up. It's a detox, as you call it. It's, yeah, a, it's a detox. Break, yeah. Breakdown. It's, as, as it's we a break big through. global colonic, I think. Uh, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Oh my gosh. So um, how to be loving as your heart is breaking open and our world is waking up and, you know, through a big colonic process. Mm -hmm. um, you explain why self-acceptance is counterculture how virtues can turn into dangerous vices and why healing is a non-linear process that ultimately leads to gentleness, which is what our world needs. I look at you mm -hmm. as kind of a spiritual big sister. You are um, one of my teachers and also just so vulnerable in this book, you know, and, and showing that life is still a process of growth and we're always learning and changing and waking up. So tell us, what that mm. process was like for you mm. and, and how we got mm. here. I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Uh, well, the question used to be, how do I want to feel? And now the question is, is about what I want to embody. What do I want to embody? And there's a whole 
sort of metaphysical track behind all of that. So like the on the surface track, which matters is, you know, desire map was all about how do you want to feel? I realized in my own challenges, dark night, bad day, it, I could still be unhappy and still feel like connected to source. I could still be a pretty decent friend, which was really the, that was the, the real spark for me. It's, you know, it's, for me, it's always about relationships or just like, you know, I'm in my own agony right now. And I just helped a sister out. So maybe deeper purpose and fulfillment isn't necessarily about being happy and buoyant and positive all the time. There's something deeper. And then the revelation that, you know, I want to be um, consistent, like integrity, the definition of integrity is all about wholeness. So like, I want to be love no matter what. And all the mystics and masters talk about this. Like if there is a storm, you are calm. Like you are always the antidote. If there is hatred, you are the love. If there is, you know, density, you are the light. And it's clear I'm wanting to be that, which then got me more into kind of the mystical metaphysical questions of things, which is the learning that this may sound like really heavy news for most people some people, feelings actually come from the subconscious. So love is not a feeling because love is consciousness. Love is a virtue. We can go even deeper with if feelings are in the subconscious, then am I feeling anything new or original? And the answer is no. (laughs) Like we are conditioned to feel a certain way about so many things. So there's that. We can unpack that. I've got like, I, I there's some questions I can ask everybody listening. I really get you into like, how do you know that that's an original feeling? Cause it's probably not. Uh, and then the higher teaching is that, you know, most of us are familiar with the concept, the higher self. If love is not an emotion and it is, it's a higher vibration. It's a state of consciousness. I mean, you can get very Ram Dass in this. Like, you know, this is love is the fabric of the universe. This is like really high concept stuff. Like, what does that actually mean? We can break that down too. But um, I want to be that. I want to be a channel for that. I want my, I want to be a vessel for that higher energy. And like, that's the whole point. And there's all these things we can do to be a vessel for love. Yes. And your book offers, I love, I mean, there's humor, I'm crying, I'm laughing. And then, and then you give me like a practical tool to tune in because, you know, I've been on the self-help track, just like we all have, you know, anyone listening to this is at some level has uh, read a self-help book. We've read many, we've read spiritual texts, mysticism. We've done, we've, we're, we're like you said, light workers are excavators. We're just trying to mm-hmm figure out like, what does this all mean? Why are we here? Okay. We, okay. We chose these lessons, but like, okay, then what? Like, so as love is the fabric of the universe, love is from whence we come. It's what we're made of, Mm -hmm. you know, know, everyone that I talk to that has a near-death experience, they describe this reconnection with source energy. That is a love that surpasses any human, you know, description or understanding. 
So that makes me believe that we come from love and we'll go back to love. And, and so are we supposed to just wake up to like, okay, our soul chose all of these lessons and, and like you said, be able to connect to love and feel love and be okay. in the storms, no matter what, like, I just go, what, so what is the purpose of all this? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. Ah. that expansion, it's like, you know, we've all, we, you and I probably read and gone to the same workshop, same group, you know, it's just, you know, all the gurus, gurus will say, it's like Guru Singh, one of my favorite guys in LA says, you know, this is a one room schoolhouse earth. So I think we come in blind. We come in, it's like, we decide that we're going to forget that we are connected, that we are from source, that we are infinitely creative, that we have this incredible capacity to heal. We forget that. What a, And I think what a courageous decision to come in blind. Like, okay, I'm going to have amnesia. This is part of being human, amnesia. <laughs> and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to walk in the dark for a while to realize like, actually I'm the source of light and it's all about expanding. It's all about expanding and expanding only happens when you realize you're not separate. Your happiness matters to me. We come from the same source, the same stuff that made you made trees. And, and this has been my experience. Like this, the, the more gentle I've become, the more aligned I feel I am with, my higher nature, my Buddha nature, my soul, whatever you want to call it for yourself. I feel way more connected to everything. And it actually gives me peace. It's not overwhelming to to realize that, you know, you're part of this infinite, eternal, endlessly generative experience. Just like, um, we can do this. I just feel my, I have a, I live in a greater sense of we-ness than before. Mm. And at the same time, this is like almost this divine paradox. I know that I just got to take care of my life, that the social change, the greatest thing you can do to heal the world, really heal yourself. Imagine if everybody just did that. We wouldn't have any problems. I know. Be the change. And and we have it's so interesting. I mean, this book literally, you're this 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 revelation you had that you're now sharing with the world and teaching us how to be loving when you know society is sociopathic at this point and social yes. media is driving us all literally insane. I feel like the world's losing its mind. Yes. And to get back to these moments of connection and peace to go, okay, let's just watch it's almost like, let's just observe it all play out. And what all we can do is really do the work ourselves to change our frequency, to, to then create space so that we can have a loving gaze on other people as they, you know, are in their tumbling cycle of life. Well, and on ourselves, because everybody I know right now has either been in a tumble cycle in the last couple of years or is in it now, or is going to be in it, because that's what their soul is saying, okay, it's time for you to tumble, shake up all the identity stuff. And I think, you know, when you talk about observing, I feel like um, I am, I wouldn't say I'm waiting, I'm holding space while some of this plays out. I feel like we're in this 
worldwide kind of off gassing and all the stuff that's up now has already been there. So like on a, like on a more personal friend level, you know, you hear a lot about people right now, anxiety is flaring and there's panic attacks happening, or there's all these rifts in relationships and families, all that stuff was under the surface. It was always, always there. Like how your aunt is treating you right now and the anxiety you're having when you're going into the office, you've actually, it's, it's always been in your energy field. It's just the compression of this time is bringing it all to the surface. And I think the divine mother is saying, okay, we're just going to turn the dial up on the heat here to see who everybody really is. Oh, there's your greed. There's your manipulation. There's your brilliance. There's your love. Look how forgiving you can be. And it's, it's time. It's time for humanity to like wake up to its true nature, which is love. But we only get there through seeing all the things that are unloving. And this is like, I think this is the cosmic twist. You know, you got to see all the unloving stuff, all the shadow, all the weeds in the garden. And then you choose to focus on all the beautiful things. That's the transmutation. It's like, you know, there's a lot of people these last couple of years, you wow, that's, that's what's underneath that surface. That is very unappealing. <laughs> and I love you anyway. And that's how the healing happens. Like see it, named it. You are still welcome here. Oh, and I always, the micro macro personal collective, like it's all happening right now. I mean, you, this, I'm in this personal situation where, you know, all of our friends, it's like, you have a right to be filled with rage and, oh my gosh, the injustice and the righteousness. And like, I can't believe these, these people are literally mentally ill and greedy and envious mm -hmm. or whatever my judgment is. It's all judgment, judgment, judgment. Mm -hmm. And but it's completely snagging, hooking my attention, causing anxiety, stress. And I'm just been on this roller coaster. And then after the first initial like weeks of processing and trying to be with the feelings rather than rejecting them or suppressing them, just like expressing them. Now I'm like, okay, what is this mirroring back to me? What parts of myself am I rejecting and not accepting? And then reading your book. And it's like, you know, the most courageous work is like, I think it was a Carl Jung um, quote, but, you know, really fully accepting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And only then when you do that shadow work on yourself, can I accept and stop judging and projecting? And, you know, even though I feel very valid in doing that right now because of their despicable actions, um, you know, let them go and realize, you know, these things, this as mother nature, I mean, you know, uh, is, is spirit or whatever yeah is, mm -hmm. is notching up the the pressure cooker and all of these things are coming out of the shadows all of the stuff that's swept under the rug it's coming to the truth to the light to be seen and and healed um you know i'm just like okay this is a clear misalignment the the universe is moving these people out of my life and my goal is now like okay how can i be okay with this how can i get out of that energy of resistance and rejection and judgment to just allow this process to take place and allow it to reflect back to me, the, the work that I need to continue to do on myself. Mm -hmm. You, this is what I see a lot in our, 
in the wellness space is we think that we should be in tolerance all the time. So it's like, you know, you've got, let's say you have these personalities in your life and they're full of rage. You don't want to be around raging people. Okay. But I really think it's the ego mind plays a trick on us and tells us like the most spiritual thing to do is to tolerate the rage, to have them over for dinner. And we shouldn't feel like we want to reject that rage. Okay. As mothers, anybody who loves a child, whether you made a baby, you're a caregiver, or you're in a family, any human who loves another human, you want to create conditions of healing and wellness for that child. You, we would never let our children be around a raging person. That's not, it's not healing. It's not conducive to wellness. So God doesn't want you to suffer. God wants you to create conditions of healing for yourself 24 seven. So you say, peace out to the rage. It's an act of love for yourself. And you can simultaneously hold that raging person in love. You have faith that they're going to come to their heart, that their rage is some kind of expression that's going to heal them. And you always keep your door open for those people. If you ever need me, I am here. When you want to talk, I am here. You can still even rage a little bit. I will still be here for you. I'm holding you in love and I'm going to go hold myself in love and then we can move on. But it's this, the transmutational act is you love yourself enough to create a calm environment for yourself. So your own inner rage, the part that's been being reflected by the other person starts to calm down. And then there's less rage in your external life but it's really the act of you loving you that's dissolving the outer appearances of rage. It's not just you saying, okay, rageful person, catch you later. It's you loved your own stuff first. And I love the way you describe inner child healing work. Cause again, it's a term we've all heard of and I'm yeah. actually as a parent of a toddler, who's learning how to be in the world, you know, it's, it's that process of reparenting myself so that I could just hold space and love for her to, you know, figure out her emotions or express and, you know, be messy and, and just love her and hold space for her so that she's mm -hmm. safe. And, um, you know, part of that process is acknowledging her feelings rather than trying to change them and just, holding her with love. And so as I do that for her, as I learn about how to be a conscious parent to her, I'm like, oh, then I can do that same work with my inner child. Mm -hmm. And you write so many beautiful things, but it's, you know, the goal with the inner child is not to make them more mature or heal them. It's like that inner, or, or it's not a thing from the past. I'd love for yes. you to go into this. Yeah. It's, it's the inner child, that, that ego, that unhealed part of us that's yeah. showing up um, and to just acknowledge what they're feeling, acknowledge their presence, don't reject, don't suppress, uh, you know, what, what you judge as a negative feeling or an uncomfortable feeling and just really sit with it, talk to it, uh, accept it, see it, you know, acknowledge it, all, all the things that you do for 
your little three-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's so, it's so profound. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about that for a little bit. First thing I understand about inner child work, your inner child is not you when you were eight years old in this lifetime. This is not about you going back to the past to look at your family of origin stuff and all that stuff that legit happened that you might need some therapy for. It's not, it's not like a real time thing. Inner child is just a term, a really useful term for your unhealed self, for your subconsciousness, for your unconsciousness. Um, And the reason it's a useful term is because when we hear child, it immediately puts us into kind of gentle, caring, nourishment frame of mind. And that's what the subconscious needs. All that gnarly stuff that's trying to get your attention. Your attention is your love. Love me, love me. Something, this wound needs love. And I'm going to tell you it needs love by giving you some anxiety. I'm going to tell you that this, there's this topic down here that's kind of festering. And so to get your attention, they'll maybe they'll be a breakup or a blindside or something like that. Are you paying attention to me yet? Are you conscious yet? Are you going to just stop and be still and eat clean and get seven, eight hours of sleep and rest yet? Because I need love. That's what the inner child is saying. So, um, you know, it used to be when I would, when I do a speaking gig, you know, I would get all, um, motivational about it. And like, I'll get all pumped up. I do like jumping jacks in my hotel room before I went down and I would tell myself like all these great things about how great I was. (laughs) I was going to, you know, I was going to slay it. And, um, it doesn't address the actual fear of bombing, of looking bad, which is all unconscious in the basement of my psyche, unhealed, wounded, inner child stuff. So now, and this is such a counter intuitive move. Now, before I do anything where there's fear, really anything before there's fear, um, I have a conversation with my unconsciousness, my inner child, and I say, what do you need? And my inner child will always say something. And this, this should really, this is an indicator. Usually the inner child speaks so simply. It's not going to say, I want ice cream and pizza and a rock concert. Usually says, I want rest. And so there was one time, like before a gig, my inner child said, um, I want to hang out with good people afterwards, hang out with your friends. Oh, she wants to hang out with people who love me. Okay. And, um, and also like, and I love applause. I love this. It's like, oh, it's okay for me to want to go on stage and really rock it. And then after I've taken care of the most fearful, tender part of myself, then I can do anything. It's like being, you know, once your child is fed, you're good to go. I, my ego does not need any more bravado. I got this. I've taken care of the trembling part. And then I don't say, and this is really my approach to fear now. Let's please stop trying to crush our fear and overcome our fear. Your fear just wants attention. Take your fear with you. Fear. Hey, I'm your friend. I created you. You are my fear, baby. What have you got to say? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. Great. I heard you. Now you can relax. And I'm amazing. 
And I'm the mother of my life. And I'm actually aware that I am an infinite energy being. I am actually love. So fear, you're coming with me to work. You're coming with me into this courageous conversation I had. I'm not leaving you in my therapist's office. I'm not telling you that you're a loser. So you got to sit on the porch while I go be a winner. I'm taking you with me because I am truly awesome. I got room for fear and being genius and loving. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is, I got emotional there for a minute because I'm literally, it's all about, I mean, this book is such a gift. I'm not even blowing smoke right now. It's, it's, I needed this. You, it's like a God, God send to me. Um, I don't even know what to start. I just know it's that. It's a relief, isn't it? My, my experience, the response is, even when I just give the title to someone, oh, what's your new book? How to be loving. People exhale. I see this kind of physical shift. And really, if I had to come up with a new subtitle, it would just be like, how to be loving. Give yourself a break. Mm. And really, the book is about reverence. So I can say like on one level, self-acceptance, lots of people who have read it say, I thought this was going to be a book about how to be better in relationship and about loving other people. This is about really accepting myself. Yes. Cause that happens. You are so much more chill and inclusive and loving with everybody else. Um, but you, you'd mentioned something earlier about the, you know, the conflict and inner and outer and I think we have, there's tolerance. Tolerance is better than intolerance. And then there's acceptance, which is like, acceptance is we're gonna embrace what we've been trying to reject. Just break, you know, everybody listening, just what have you been fighting with yourself about for so long? Like for me, it'd be my, you know, arrogance. You know, I really see my arrogance in my career at different times and created some shame or manipulation. I think so, so much of the energy in relationship is just, we're manipulating to try and get the love we want, you know? And I feel shame when I try and like, just like phrase something a certain way. So I get a certain response. What if I actually was friendly with my manipulation and my arrogance, the parts of myself, I really don't, I don't want to be that anymore. Um, I'm really rejecting those parts of myself in the name, like this is it rejecting parts of ourselves in the name of being whole mm -hmm. makes no sense. Impossible. So I have different conversations now. I say, oh, okay. All right. Danielle's arrogance. Come, come, come in. Just relax. Just relax. I got room for you. If you show up tomorrow. I'm still going to be here. What, what's really going on? What do you want to say? And then, you know, and then I'll get any, you know, whatever wisdom nugget I'm supposed to get. But um, I think that's how we should treat our fear. That's how we should treat our anxiety. Last thing anybody wants is a panic attack. But what if not only did you listen to it, but you went one notch up. So you go from the tolerance to the acceptance to reverence. Oh my gosh. My arrogance has taught me so much. It's made me a more loving person. What you can't be, there's nothing to be more thankful for 
than becoming a more loving person. Your anxiety, your fear, whatever your trip is, look what it's done for you. It's waking you up. You're closer to God because of it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And you write like shame is a hard one for me. And you mentioned it. There's, mm-hmm. and it's, it's at the base of all those parts of yourself that you have been rejecting in your, you know, there's, there's a certain shame around the, the judgment of those qualities or personality traits or past behaviors or choices. And you, you, in your book, you say, hello, shame. Cause I'm like, how do, how do I deal with shame? I'm like, all I know is to mm-hmm. just turn away. Like I just, I, I've never really been given the tools to embrace it, accept it, be with shame it. is so tricky. Cause you get shame about feeling ashamed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Vicious cycle. So you say, hello, shame. I see you. Mm. I get how you feel the way you do. It's totally understandable. I'm going to go on living and creating things I'm proud of, but you are welcome to stay while I get some work done. It's Again, I read those words and I just like get, I get emotional because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're none of us are taught tools how to accept ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're all given this, you know, array of human emotions and no real manual on how to. We just it's like our survive. We're taught, we're programmed to just kind of reject or resist or turn away or sweep under the rug, suppress, and. Um, and those energies are just going to build until the pressure of the frequency of the world, which is happening now, is bringing everything up to the surface to be healed. So to be given these tools and then to, you know, you talk about reverence, it's like we have to, I mean, the whole, I'm answering the question or you're answering for me, helping me see clearly, like we are, if we are all from source energy love, we are all connected. We're living in this holographic one room classroom that you see. So at any experience that I'm experiencing and these people that I'm judging um, are all reflecting me kind of back to me, fragmented parts of myself that I've rejected. Yes. yes. And so to learn and have the tools that yes. you are giving us to accept those and be in conversation, be in community with those parts of ourselves, accept them as whole, just be with them, talk to them. Um, just like I, I hold space and acknowledge and see uh, my child when she's going through difficult emotions and just hold that loving space for yourself, for your inner child, for your ego. As we start to practice that and become more whole, then we're able to accept others because we have that space and relaxation and presence within ourself. Mm -hmm. And then once we're able to accept others and stay out of judgment and rejection and resistance of all the circumstances and people that we wish were different in our lives, then we can actually be present and in awe and reverence to this beautiful life experience that we're having, even though it's like a massive detox in the Mm -hmm. world right now, and it's ugly and it's messy. We can actually hold space observe, continue to let things, you know, give us more opportunities to embrace and accept more parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the process I'm in right now. And that's like this book and your, your, your new um, mission, your new, everything is, is just come at the perfect time. And it's what we all need, I think, but especially thank you for myself. But you know what you got going for you is, 
the paradigm, the belief that everybody is your reflection. And if people can just entertain that, and it's so hard in those crunchy moments where it's whoever it is, a politician that you do not personally know, the leader of whatever, or someone you're related to in your kitchen and there's rejection, whatever, or it's your partner, like this is the best one, your partner and you're just like, you are so not getting it. How can you be so X, Y, Z? Just in those moments, just start to, it's, this is the spiritual practice of like, how are they reflecting me? It doesn't mean you're letting everybody off the hook with their crap behavior. Like there are scales of justice. There is karma. Their soul will take care of them. They're gonna have to work it out. But if it interrupts the pattern of judgment, where you go, wow, okay, how am I being that stubborn? How, how is their defensiveness a reflection of my defensiveness? And I think this is key specifically with women who consider themselves on the spiritual path. So you hear this a lot in our space with, I'm an empathic woman and I married a narcissistic man and I'm so sensitive and narcissists always seek out empaths. I think that's a real bona fide psychological dynamic. But where we miss the opportunity to wake up as, you know, sensing aware humans, women, is we stop at their reflection of me. But it's universal truth, I believe, that everything is a reflection, that we are manifesting so much. So if you are in a relationship with a narcissist, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have some narcissistic personality disorder and that you are that you are on that scale of density and ignorance. But on some level, you have a seed of narcissism in you. And if you really want to be awake, if you want to be full, vibrant, alive and conscious, then that little seed of narcissism, even in comparison to their mountain of narcissism, it matters. You need to look at that and you need to clean that up. And when you look at your little grain next to their hill, you're gonna soften a bit. You're gonna have a little more compassion for yourself, for them. And then you do whatever you need to do in the relationship. You, you move into unconditional love or you, you, know, you bust a move. Um, but I think that, you know, and I'm speaking from experience in that for a long time, I just thought, I don't know about this. Everything's my reflection. If this, you know, I've brought someone in my life who's like emotionally hostile or, you know, extremely greedy. Cause I'm not emotionally hostile. Well, I am a little bit, I'm not extremely greedy. Well, I must be on some level because this person's in my life. I'm going to look at it and aim for impeccability, which isn't perfection, but you know. Yeah. So when you look at, for instance, yeah, if there's a person in my life that I have judged for many years, like I can't, she's so selfish, she's so ungrateful, mm-hmm. you know, and she's kind of a thorn in my side and I'm sure she has her judgments about me. Um, but we're kind of stuck with each other just because of some certain dynamic. 
And I'm like, what, like, what is this selfishness? You know, of course I have selfish moments and I'm selfish, but I, I consider myself very generous, all this. So as I'm trying to look at that part of myself and I see there's definitely seeds there. I've, I've, I have selfishness in me and definitely not on that grand narcissist or selfishness scale that I'm seeing so evidently as her. Um, so then what do I do? Like, how do I, you love it. <laughs> you I love, love it. your selfishness or you could, it could also be that the reflection is yeah, maybe you're a little bit selfish now, human nature, or you were that way. You know, what did you need to do to get to being embodying the, the virtue of generosity? It's like, th this I think is one of the most spiritual things we can do. We see someone in their poor behavior um, and we just go, we just kind of shrug. I think it's like shrug asana. And we just say, I did that before. So it's like whenever, you know, selfish female in your life does her thing, you just be like, oh, I used to be selfish too. And you just stop it there. Like I, I can relate. I was that before I woke up. Um, and people wake up all the time. Mm, have faith. Maybe she'll wake up. But if she doesn't, you still love yeah, I love that. You, you have a little anecdote in your book where you went for a walk with a dog walking friend and oh, yeah. she, she was shitty, like she was <laughs> shitty to you and like yeah. just being, yeah, shitty. And you were like, you know, you put your hand on your heart you looked up at the sun you took a deep breath and you're like, whatever, you know, shrug, yeah. shrug, shrug asana. And you realized, oh, she never learned how to process and express pain. So she's shitting on me and I'm yeah. okay with that yeah because I I'm vast that's the thing this was a, that was an actual move of like this is why the Buddhists talk about the sky I looked at the sky and thought my true nature is actually this expansive it's okay if she's shitty to me for an afternoon she's got all this unprocessed stuff. I'm big I can do this I can legit be loving I can give her a couple hours I got this. I am love. I got this, which is way better than the alternative, which would have been a big argument. And maybe was, one of us would have walked home and one of us would have driven home. <laughs> yeah. What do you, do you have any thoughts on, I know you do because touch on it in your book, but what's coming up for me right now is, um, just safety, like in a world, I mean, anxiety is running rampant. You're talking about people yeah. having panic attacks, the economy is crashing, you know, there's just horrible things are happening in the world to people. Um, you know, LA is, there's just mental illness running rampant and violence. And so what, however, that's manifesting in your particular corner of the world, what's your expansive like, how do we feel safe in a world that is showing us evidence of not being safe? Oh, that's a, that's a super deep question. Um, I think the assignment is to stop needing to feel safe in all the ways we've been needing to feel safe. It's like, we need to have the money in the, our bank account. We need to have the particular relationship. We need to have so many likes or so many followers. 
safety. It's like all this identity reinforcement and the identities are crumbling. Like the only thing you can rely on right now is there's something meaningful. There's a life force. There is source that is animating me that has infinite awareness and you just have to be okay with that because some of us will get more stripped down and um, I'm not my clothes. I'm not my online following. I'm not my marriage. I am something much bigger and eternal. My experience is when I rest in that, then I can really be on, I can be more comfortable with the uncertainty. I can actually start to like kind of get turned on by the uncertainty. It's like, I, I think, you know, really for the first time in my life, I'm okay with the mystery. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I've seen some people that I thought were infallible in my life really go through hardship. And, and everybody comes out on the other side. We know from great teachers like Jesus, the Christ, and the Buddha, and many others, that suffering, that's the fire that has us, brings us to God. And nobody who gets through that regrets it or doesn't want to get to that euphoric place that they get. And um, all this suffering right now is for a reason. The only thing we've got that's safe is the divine and it's calling the shots. Yeah, totally. totally. Thank you. Sorry. I threw that curveball at you. That's great. But, But it's, it's, it's so true. And, you know, it does bring you back. It's, it's come almost like just, it's, it's that this pressure cooker, this, the heat that we're walking through right now, this it's like alchemizing, you know, our society, our, our planet, our, you know, individually, collectively. And to have, to have that perspective and that faith and to know there's divine intelligence um, that mm-hmm. has always embraced us and to look to that. So whatever the, the fire that you're in, it's bringing us back to, um, and I spoke to a teacher a couple of weeks ago when I was like in the heat of my fire. Mm. And he said, this is what you're experiencing. Um, this wrongdoing, this, all these fears, this material life is 1%. The spirit, God, the 99% is so the divine intelligence is so what that has a, a, mm-hmm. a plan working here is so much more powerful than this itty bitty 1% of, of the 3d that you're experiencing with these people or whatever. And so it's just reminding you to gaze and, and surrender to that 99% that that divine energy that has. Yeah. So this is a great point around timelines. So like for the last couple of years, I've been hearing this phrase a lot, you know, your timeline. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be the new, new age thing. But this is my interpretation of it. I mean, really, this is about you choosing your reality. Um, so, you know, what that great teacher is talking about in terms of this is the 1%, it's the tip of the iceberg about, you know, what's really going on, the multidimensionality. We get to choose our realities. If, if you can believe that 
energy follows thought and our thoughts are manifesting what we're experiencing. And we're all little individuals, connected individuals. Then you can really start to, to groove with this concept of like, I'm gonna choose the timeline of fill in the blank. I am choosing the reality that this all turns out okay. I am choosing the reality that um, there will be nourishment, prosperity, and safety for everybody. And I'm going to back that up with my thinking and my words and my actions and how I live my life. And I wonder if I'm like, you know, in the big cosmic, there's a black hole where people who choose division and worry and fear and it's all falling apart and it's all going to be you know the i'm choosing the apocalyptic timeline maybe in their dimension they experience an apocalypse but in my dimension i'm just like hey my community got together and <laughs> we grow our own food and our grocery stores are still full and there's a miracle and we right and I really, um, you know, when the world really started falling apart, I think it's just started, it, I decided like, I'm going to be the antidote. And a lot of guilt came up for me. I just like, at this point in my life, I feel happier, more vibrant, more loving, more resourced than I ever have. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily, uh, it's not age. It's not a time thing. It wasn't like, you know, I hung in long enough. <laughs> it's working out. Okay. <laughs> but with the world, when you, when you're, when you're riding high and the world is like going low, if you are an awake person or trying to be awake, you're going to go, huh? Am I in sync here? Am I being of service? Am I delusional? But I think this is the warriorship because if you're falling apart, call me. If you're falling apart, I want to be steady for you. Um, if, if someone's broke, I want to have the means to help them. If someone is depressed, I want to be the light in their household that day. So I'm, that's, that's, that's the, that's the wave I'm trying to ride right now is to be the antidote. And it is like, I, it's so much of what you just said just resonated. Like I've always had this vision of, you know, there's millions of parallel potentialities and, and dimensions happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And it's like, choose your own adventure. And when you align your frequency, you can like, zit, I'm going to pop over to this dimension. I'm not liking where this one's going. I'm getting stuck down to that apocalyptic frame of mind. So I've got to, you know, get connected with my community, be surrounded so I can stay in this vibration and, and do the work on myself and do the healing of myself so that I can, with my thoughts and my heart and the coherence and zoop over to this potentiality and that, and, and hold that because the people in our reality do need someone with a container that can be mm -hmm. the person that you're trying to be like trying to with the cup full with the cup full and yeah. So just that's to say, like when you get pulled down in guilt because you're in joy and you're, and even just what you said right there, like it, it helps me look at this circumstance that I'm going through. And I can literally say, 
if I was not going through this fire right now, I wouldn't be strong enough. My container wouldn't be mm -hmm. strong enough to hold what we, the space and the love that we need to hold for people as we're going through this. So I can actually pull back after I've been in victimhood and feel sorry for myself. And why is this happening to me? And I can go, okay, here's the work. I'm doing the work. And I can actually be grateful for this circumstance and these people for strengthening my container for giving me expansion and growth so I can actually hold space and help more people or, you know, continue to just hold space in the world that's continually getting heating up, you know? So mm -hmm. it is the warrior's work and um, your book is going to help a lot of us stay the line and stay the course and be in community and know how to, how to hold that container. I had a, a great conversation with a healer in my life who's talking about karma and she said, you know, Danielle, it's like a tornado could come and wipe out all of these homes and there'll be the one home left standing. There's the farm that didn't get touched by the natural disaster. And I was like, I want to be that farm. And immediately there was all this guilt. But I just like, no, if I can be, if I can still be standing, I can really serve. Okay, that's cool. Yes, let's serve it's virtuous, but I had to look underneath even that. It's like, um, if I am joyful, then I can serve. You know what? I get to be joyful no matter what. My joy is not a transaction. It's like, if I'm good, God, then do I get to have what I want? It's like, I'm in charge of my life working in concert with universal principles and why I wouldn't want my child to have their house wiped out. I want my child to be the last farm standing. I'm going to really own that for myself. I'm just like, I want to be well. I don't even go into the, do I deserve to be well? I, God wants me to be well. I can be well. And may we all be the last house standing, you know, like, mm. yeah. I I love that. Yeah, maybe this is a good place to end. If you you have a beautiful um, prayer, simple one line in your book, it says, may, may we all be so blessed. Mm -hmm. And what a practice, what a profound practice just that is as you go through, I mean, as I go through my day and mm -hmm. reflect on so much to be grateful for, it's just like you, you know, maybe all we, may, may we all be, all so, be blessed so blessed to have wellness or to have Love, abundance of community. Yes. All, may we all be so blessed. Yeah. Yes. So yes. just to, to do the work, learn to embrace, accept ourselves and then our life and, and then wish, wish what you wish for yourself for other people. That's yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're so juicy. I'm you so juicy. <laughs> raw right now. And then you give me these. Great. Yeah. So thank you. Perfect. Yeah. You're amazing. I really appreciate it. Everybody um, check out when does how to be loving. How to be loving is out on October 11th. And then if people go pick up a couple copies and then come to my site and let us know, I'm doing this church event online on October 16th. Leanne Rhymes is going to sing beautiful chorus is singing Beckwith is there to give us a blessing in the opening. Lots of just good togetherness happening.
Yeah. Amazing. And then heart-centered membership real quick. Uh, Spiritual support system, a lot of metaphysics, a lot of practicality. And then our heart-centered leadership program is this curriculum for coaches and facilitators. It's happening at like big corporate levels and in yoga studios. It's really a set of conversation starters to help people be loving. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need it. Thank you, my warrior priestess, goddess, light worker friend. And um, yeah, thank you for this gift. It was wonderful Likewise. talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in for more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. Oh, and make sure you hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. And if you feel inspired, we would love you to rate and review us so that we have the opportunity to reach more people. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram for some behind the scenes fun and more inspiration at at Heal Documentary and at Kelly Gore. Thank you so much and be well. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.